Isaiah chapter 42, verses 10 through 17. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that fills it, the coastlands and their inhabitants, let the desert and its cities lift up their voice, the villages that Kedar inhabits. Let the inhabitants of Salah sing for joy. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Let them give glory to the Lord, Yahweh, and declare his praise in the coastlands. The Lord goes out like a mighty man, like a man of war. He stirs up his zeal. He cries out. He shouts aloud. He shows himself mighty against his foes. For a long time, I've held my peace. I've kept still and restrained myself. Now I will cry out like a woman in labor. I will gasp and pant. I will lay waste mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I'll turn the rivers into islands and dry up the pools. And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. They are turned back and utterly put to shame, who trust in carved idols, who say to metal images, you are our gods. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, joined again by Tally Coughlin today. And, you know, yesterday, a powerful uh, picture of this coming Messiah who the Lord is sending, that servant in whom his soul delights. And so today starts with this epic call to worship. Mm-hmm. And it's a call to the villages that Kedar inhabits and the inhabitants of Selah or Selah or, you know, however you want to pronounce that. Uh, and there's some interesting sig- significance there we can yeah. get into yeah. later. Uh, and then... So there's this awesome call to worship, sing to the Lord a new song, and then this image of the Lord coming in might, and he is, uh, you know, in the same breath, pushing down evildoers and those who have turned from him towards idolatry, and he's taking the blind and guiding them. So once again, this shepherd warrior image that Isaiah really likes. So Tally, yeah. the people are tired of me talking. Uh, no. What are, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Uh, on Isaiah 42, 10 through 17? Well, the first word is a declarative instruction. We are to do something upon hearing these words. We are to sing to the Lord a new song. Um, And, you know, I love how singing words make them stay in our mind and our heart in a way that reading and speaking just mm-hmm. do not do the same. And so God knows this. He mm-hmm. is the creator of our minds and how they work best. And so I love how his command for us to remember is to sing. Mm-hmm. He wants us to sing so that we remember um, who he is and what he has done and that he is worthy of remembering. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's, I do love like the, the new song sort of imagery yeah. and um, especially, you know, being a songwriter, Jordan's yes. a great songwriter. And I, I don't want to like over contextualize that, but I do think that there's a cool like subtext meaning there, which is, it kind of points to the in- inexhaustible nature of God's salvation. 
Like you'll never tie a bow around the great things that God has done. Yeah. And no song, no poem, no account of God's work. Uh, we'll be like, yep, that's we did pretty it. Much this it. was the one. Yeah. Encapsulated yeah. So, it all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the depth of God's love for his people <laughs> and the height of salvation that he has accomplished. But uh, there is an awesome subtext of just how, how, you know, we can never plumb the depths. We yeah. can never sing enough. We can never yeah. say enough of the praise that God deserves. And then he turns towards two kind of people groups, yeah. the villages of Kedar mm-hmm. and the habitants of Silla. Yeah. And, you know, Kedar, these are both really shocking. Yeah. Like, I think they would have been shocking. Yeah. Uh, Kedar is, uh, he's a man from sort of the, beginning stages of Genesis, but that becomes a people group. Mm-hmm. And he's a son of Ishmael. And Kedar literally means dark. Mm. Um, so, and a lot of, I researched this a little bit, and a lot of kind of research would, would say that the, this is like a dark-skinned, nomadic Arab yeah. tribe that descends from Ishmael, sort of of that uh southern saudi arabia egypt like area yeah and so there's that and then the habitants of uh sela or sila this is a big battleground yeah. it's kind of like this stronghold that's near uh, israel it's kind of in palestine it, but it's in edom which God has actually pronounced judgment on mm-hmm. in Isaiah yeah. and in other books of prophecy. It's a big enemy of Israel. But here in this moment in Isaiah, you know, we, we were told yesterday that this Christ who will come will be a light for the nations. And now we have the, yeah. these the dark-skinned sons of Ishmael and these people of Edom living in this battleground sort of area are joining the song of praise. Yeah. So that's kind of insane. It's amazing. Well, and I think if we don't pause, we read scripture so quickly, so we often. We do, yes. And these names, we brush over them and we don't often cross-reference and do research. And I, you know, the longer I'm a Christian, the more time I spent in the word of God, the more I'm like having these like yes, mind blown yes. moments of like, wait, what? That was there this whole time? Mm-hmm. And this is just another one of those examples that when we slow down and actually take stock of what's being said here, this is evidence that salvation is for the nations. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is through Abraham, the covenant that was established, but Jesus and God have, have offered salvation and included, have offered salvation to the nations. And so mm-hmm. this is shocking mm-hmm. um, as God includes former enemies into the celebration, the triumph of who he is, instead of, you know, it's saying that he's going to demolish them or destroy them or wipe them out. He's inviting them to sing a song alongside his chosen people. Mm. Um, they, you know, the inhabitants of Selah sing for joy. These are former enemies mm. and now they get to sing for joy. What does that tell us about what God is doing here? Amen. Absolutely. You know, and this is where the context of where we are in Isaiah is important yeah. because uh, you know, the first like 20, 30 chapters, there's so much judgment yes. and woe. And it's because all these people groups and then Israel and Judah are tied into this. Yeah. And it's because they have chosen enmity with God. Yeah. And so, and that brings enmity with God, you know, brings discipline. It right. brings punishment and being on the wrong side of justice, so to speak. But 
here we begin to see the mercy right. that is in God's discipline, the mercy that's in God's judgment right. is that, you know, there, there's this kindness that's in there that's meant to lead us to repentance right. where we would actually see the bitterness of enmity with God. Right. And uh, this is something that Dees talks about a lot with baptism testimonies is they are all different, but they're also all kind of the same in that it's somebody who, regardless of their background, of where they grew up or how they grew yeah. up, they came to a point in life where they realized how bitter things were mm. because they had taken control mm. and they realized the need to surrender. Yeah. And so God is welcoming people into, you know, he's a God of, of justice. There are lines that are drawn. Yeah. Like there is judgment that comes. For sure. And sort of this idea of exclusivity, but it's a very inclusive exclusivity. You know, we see like, it's not limited to a people group. It's not limited right. to a skin color or a cultural background, right. but that all these different nations are actually going to join in telling of the salvation yeah. of God. Yeah. And where we started this series, Isaiah 40, it says, comfort my people, comfort mm -hmm. my people. Well, who are the people of God? Isaiah is actually going to continue to build this case that it's all nations, all tribes. Yeah all tongues and that they, you know, people of all these sort of different cultural resumes will be mm. in this host of captives that are being guided by a good shepherd. Yeah. It's so good. Mm. It's so good. Yeah. Did you have any other thoughts? You know, he kind of turns towards this, uh, powerful imagery. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, image God says he will cry out like a woman in labor yeah which I've not heard any worship songs <laughs> using the woman in labor image so maybe yeah. that's a miss on me and Jordan's part I mean I'll encourage it yeah you know? there we go we've done it but, five times so yeah. he has firsthand knowledge yeah he does have firsthand <laughs> knowledge I I've yet to witness it so uh yeah what are your what are your thoughts on this image that God gives of sort of the judgment slash mercy that he's gonna come yeah. to his people with well you know it's interesting I I'll speak on the woman in labor, but prior to that in verse 13, he talks about going out like a mighty man and a man of war. And again, I think also most of us don't have firsthand experience with what that looks like, mm -hmm. like a warrior going into the battlefield, you know, full of might and zeal, crying out the battle cry. We've seen it in Braveheart. We've seen it yeah. in the Patriot. We've seen yeah. it in Gladiator. You know, we've seen it, but not experienced it firsthand. And so often, you know, when we're reading these, we have to suspend our modern mind mm -hmm. and try to slip back in time to what this meant for them. Mm -hmm. This was very normal, but mm -hmm. yet very fearsome. Like mm -hmm. they're, they, they knew they could die Yeah, and we don't experience that. We, I go to the office, you go to the office. My life isn't on the line, maybe on the highway, but not <laughs> yeah. generally speaking. And so to really like submerge, submerse yourself into the imagery that's here, I think requires a pause of our modern mind of what this means. But a woman in labor is something a lot of us have seen and experienced or will see or experience in one form or another in our lives. And I was just talking to my daughters the other day about labor and they were asking about the word. And I, <laughs> one of my daughters who will remain unnamed doesn't <laughs> prefer pain. She's very sure. pain averse. And, you know, I just said to her, I was like, labor is, means hard work. It means you're going to work very hard for a time yeah. um, with great difficulty. Um, and when the crying out happens, you know, there's this whole modern notion that a quiet, silent birth is a better birth. Mm. Um, and, the and so a lot of women have tried to do so, you know, not cry out. But 
if you've ever walked through the labor and delivery ward, you've heard whether they want to or not, a woman cry out in anguish and in effort and with passion. And it's saying here, there's this juxtaposition. I've kept still and restrained myself. And then the exact opposite of gasping and panting and crying out. Mm. Um, There's a change that's happening, Mm -hmm. right? There's a big shift of what was happening to what is going to happen. Um, And I love that the next line is I will lay waste to the mountains and the hills and drive their vegetation. I mean, there is like some big storm coming through here Mm. from um, holding back to now there being a time where release is coming of destruction, of judgment, of mercy. I mean, it's multiple things. Um, Mm. But I think that it's hard to imagine it sometimes until you've experienced, but this gives such uh, descriptive language for us to kind of immerse ourselves into and try to understand what God is actually trying to say, I think. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, this whole, all this insane imagery kind of just re-underlines this theme that God is a God who opposes the proud. Yeah he gives grace to the humble and the good news of that is that anyone and everyone anywhere and everywhere can humble themselves before god and receive mercy and uh be exalted with him yeah and so it's good news and and it's uh you know it echoes that word from romans that god's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance His, his forbearance and patience with us is meant to that we would repent and walk with him and be guided in ways that we do not know. One last thing I just thought about um, the giving birth imagery. Um, You know, there's important parts of giving birth that I think we often forget, you know, through water and through blood, um, new life comes. Mm -hmm. And that the theme of deliverance, Mm -hmm. I mean, delivering a new life is what happens with birth, but Mm -hmm. the theme of deliverance is all throughout scripture that God is the great midwife who delivers us from life into death. I mean, Mm. from death into life, sorry, through the water and the blood of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so using any imagery of birth is a huge um, moment of understanding God being our deliverer Mm. from our sinfulness. Mm. And he will be faithful to deliver us from being lost, ultimately lost and being found in him. Yeah, absolutely. And then you see that again, that he'll lead the blind. I mean, we were blind and he, and we are honestly still often very blind. Absolutely. Um, without this Holy Spirit, can we even understand the words on these pages? I think not, but he promises to lead us. He leads us on a path, a new path. Um, and gosh, does that not require a willingness to follow and to trust if you know, have you ever played with um with kids where you're? I mean, it's like three blind mice. Have you ever played anything like that where you guys like? Okay, so I have. Sounds fun though. Well, I was a <laughs> camp counselor for a while, oh, and yeah. we played a lot of weird games, you yeah. know, because kids. And I just remember one time they were like, "Let's blindfold the counselor and lead them." And you're like, "I'm trusting these children, yeah, <laughs> to lead me. Who knows where?" And it's yeah. really scary to trust when you're completely blindfolded and I have to fully admit that I definitely pulled my blindfold aside. As you probably should have. A bit, <laughs> yeah. yeah. As you for, for safety, for safety, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, God's saying he will lead the blind in a way that they do not know, in mm-hmm. paths that they have not known. And then he says, I will guide them. What better mm-hmm. news is that? Amen, amen. Yeah, it's that. It's a continuation of that shepherd warrior imagery of uh, a God of great 
might and power, but it's not just acknowledging, you know, being a Christian isn't just acknowledging the might and power of God. Right. Plenty of religions and worldviews would lead you to that. Mm. But the, the extra step that makes it so much sweeter and better is that it's receiving mercy and guidance. Yeah. So uh, a great word as we continue on through Isaiah 42 and God is going to press a little more into this uh, idolatry idea tomorrow mm. uh, for the end of 42 before we get into the beloved Isaiah 43. Until then, for Tally Coughlin, this is Will Carlisle, and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow on Our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.